Hello and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. For the students that are at the esteemed university on 800 East Lancaster at Villanova PA 19085, it's finals week. For everyone else like us, it's been a super long layoff from Nova Athletics since teens are just taking a break for these exams. Yeah, it has been a long layoff, but we we've had we have some stuff in the real world to hold us over. We had a uh, a subpar, or maybe not subpar, but a decent Star Wars movie. Oh, please don't spoil. Wait until the rush at the theaters dies down, so I can finally watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's a smart idea, but it left a lot to be desired. I'm just gonna go on a limb and say that I feel like some other people share the same takes as me, and this doesn't mean to be a hot take, but I I, I left a little disappointed good movie overall but it was just eh. but we also have nfl football to hold us over even though that is a complete abomination right now and uh mike francesa retired so we had some big time events going on in our uh, area yeah i heard for star wars people either really loved it or thought it was just okay yeah i, I would be in that just okay bucket i mean it was a good movie but it's just they, there was just some things in there that you're just like you you couldn't even believe if you're even though you're like a star wars fan i don't want to spoil it please don't i will gladly fork over my money to the movie theater once everyone stops rushing it for the next two weeks aside from that we also had a crazy kooky weekend in Big East basketball. Gladly, Villanova did not participate in the carnage since we were too busy taking end-of-semester exams. Perfectly okay with me. For some teams, though, <laughs> Seton Hall. Uh, disaster. Yeah. Absolute disaster. They should have been excommunicated from the polls for losing the Rutgers, like, for the rest of the year. Like, how do you lose to Rutgers? My God. I was talking to a Creighton fan yesterday. He said, oh, you know, I would put Seton Hall still above Creighton. And I go, look, I understand this might be a Midwest thing. But everyone here on the East Coast, particularly <laughs> in the Northeast, know how bad losing to Rutgers is. You don't lose to Rutgers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like losing to the Browns. You just can't do it. Like, if you do, you're going to be like laughed at. You're, you're the laughing stock of the entire sports scene. It's funny like to laugh at Seton Hall. And at the same time, like you don't want the Biggies taking a loss to freaking Rutgers. Come on. It was embarrassing enough when they were in the Big East and you would lose to them. Now, you're at, now it's at a conference. like. It's basically scheduling them as like a in-state cupcake game, and you can't even beat them. Yeah, I believe it was Seton Hall's first loss to Rutgers since 2013 to 2012. But on the bright side, for those of you at Villanova, today is the last day of finals. So shout out to the students who are done already. But for everyone else still there, keep on trucking too, because it'll be all over soon. Also, and some other good news going into the weekend, there were just two teams or two programs with undefeated men's and women's basketball teams. It was us and Florida State. Well, after this crazy weekend, the Seminoles men's team lost to Oklahoma State. And then if that wasn't enough assurance, the women's team lost to Texas. So now, after all the dust is settled, Villanova is the only program in the country right now with undefeated men's and women's basketball teams. Huge shout out to the Wildcats. It's a great time. It is a great time to be alive, be a uh, Villanova sports fan. And we are still pondering, who will lose first, men or women? It's a good question for sure. And I'm still going to duck it like I did last time. Last time <laughs> someone brought that up. I forgot. I think that was a fan question. I think I dodged it last time. Hopefully yeah. I'll get to keep that up. Yeah, it's, it is it is a tough call right now. It, it is. But I think the women's, women's team is back in action first. So, I mean, I'm not expecting them to lose their upcoming game, but you never know. Yeah, we're going to preview that LaSalle game for the women's basketball team in just a bit. Finally, resuming athletics action. 
after taking a nine-day break for end-of-semester exams. But first, let's talk about the polls. Polls came out yesterday, and the men's team is still number one. Yeah, I think we even widened our gap on Michigan State. I think we got some of their first-place votes. Wichita State, they took a hit big time. They dropped from 3 to 11. Seton Hall, obviously, because, you know, you lose to Rutgers, you're going to take a big fall. But we got Creighton back in there, so now we got four teams in the top 25, which I think puts us third overall for a conference. It looks like the Big 12 has six, the ACC has five, and then Big East has four. Yeah, Cat's still number one. Like you said, they widened their gap. I wonder if it was because a lot of those ESPN reporters saw what we did at Temple. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess so. It's the only explanation. I mean, Arizona State kept their five first-place votes. So, yeah, I guess the utter domination of Temple does help with that. Yeah, imagine at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, you try to go to, like, foxsportsgo.com, and it's just blocked. <laughs> they definitely- and then all of a sudden, the cats are on ESPN, too, and everyone's like, oh, wow, you know, I've heard things, but, like, I can see it's real now. I'm going to give them more AP votes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I-, I hate to bring it up, but... I was since Mike. I mentioned before Mike Francesa retired this week and or last week, and I was trying. I was looking at some old clips of his, and in one of the clips, he, he used to have a show simulcast on, on Fox Sports One, and he had like an ESPN site up, and then apparently, I think he got or he like they tried like not showing his computer screen anymore. That way, he wouldn't show ESPN on it. So I'm just like, I, it definitely exists. And that's the much needed confirmation we needed that there is definitely <laughs> network bias. It definitely exists. It has to. So still number one, we got Hofstra this Friday night, Jay Wright's homecoming. But we're going to preview that on the next episode since it's still a while away. But let's look at the women's poll. Women's team still number 20 in the AP poll. And the other nice thing, too, is that they're still the highest ranked, the Big East team. They've got no one else in the top 25, but we do have Marquette receiving votes. And DePaul has now entered the picture with one vote. I feel like a lot of the women's teams were off a couple of weeks, so I, I would expect everything to pretty much hold suit, which it kind of did. I think it would have taken something wacky or just weird for Rob or Rise, especially since they were off last week. But it's good to see them still on top. Marquette and DePaul are now in the picture. But right now, still the only top 25 team, so that's good for Harry Pretta's squad. Mm-hmm. We got a game tomorrow night at LaSalle in Tom Gola Arena, which I've said before, is I don't recommend that venue at all. <laughs> everyone's going to rag on the pavilion or the old pavilion, but God, Tom Gold Arena, that place needs major renovations, new everything, new everything. <laughs> and I don't think they're getting a, a big-time donation to uh, renovate it anytime soon. At least I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. But for the women's team, the rate they're going right now, I don't know if the tournament's in the cards. Right now, they're 5-6. and six. They put an end to a three-game losing streak with a blowout win over Delaware State. But before that, they had lost Three straight games in du- by double digits. For LaSalle, only really two people to really keep an eye out for, and that's Amy Griffin. She is the Explorers' top scorer. She's averaging just under 17 points per game. She's also their top rebounder. She is a great interior force. Once in a while, can sling it from deep. Does She does like to do most of her damage inside, and we've the women's team, they've been against a lot of players like this. Like This is, mm. this is not something new. They have did it against Princeton. They did it against Temple. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of interior forward dominant plays. Yeah, they're definitely getting the workout out for them. And you know, Marquette, come Big East time, has a lot of those same type of players. So at least they're getting their work in with these type of players. They'll be used to it come conference play. And then hopefully they're going to be able to knock off the top dogs that they've had trouble in the past beating. 
Yeah, the senior six foot one forward. She's great. I mean, she's talented. She's pretty much carried them this far. She also has the help of Adriana Miller, a sharp shooter. She missed a couple games due to injury, but she's back in the fold. She drained a bunch of threes in their last outing against Delaware State. This junior sharpshooter averaging 11.4 points per game, shooting almost 39% from beyond the arc, which is pretty solid. She takes almost half her shots from deep. So we're going to have to lock down on her. But I've liked the, the defense at the perimeter that Villanova's put together so far. I mean, they did a great job. I mean, we saw the work that they did against St. Joe's. They, the Hawks guards didn't do anything. Yeah, they didn't make a three. <laughs> they, they played really locked down defense that game. And there's nothing really to suggest that they wouldn't play the same type of defense for this game. The South just shooting as a team under 35% from deep. Not exactly the best, but it's passable. So if the defense does play the way they did against St. Joe's, I think they, they can uh, cause some problems for LaSalle and really get them out of their rhythm. And LaSalle, they've lost to Temple, who Villanova's already beaten. So, I mean, if that's any indicator transitive property, then I think the Wildcats should be in good shape. Yeah, the other thing, too, is we saw this great perimeter defense against the guards at Duke, and we know there are no slouches, two All-American caliber type of players. And Villanova brought them out of their element. The Wildcats, they, they get that tough test with a great center or great forward inside. But when it comes to guard play, when it comes to locking down three-point line, they've done a great job. And I don't know if their defense has gotten enough credit, and I can't stop talking about it enough. It's just so good. And with LaSalle, if you shut down Griffin, or maybe you let her get hers and you shut down everybody else, this team is pretty one-dimensional. A lot rests on Griffin's shoulders. Yeah, they have a sharpshooter like Adriana Miller who can contribute, and then another one in Shaquana Edwards. But really, Edwards, Miller, and Griffin, they're going to be the only ones shooting it from deep. No one else really takes off from over there. So as long as you lock down on Miller and Edwards, make Griffin work as hard as she can, I think the rest will fall. There's not... I'm not really too impressed with the squad overall. I mean, they are five and six, but it's pretty much this big three dynamic of Edwards, Miller, and Griffin. Everyone else is just really a complimentary role who won't really light up the stat sheet. They're just there. They'll get their buckets or they'll try to get theirs. But I think as long as you lock down on Griffin, and I, I think with full confidence that Villanova will shut down Miller and Edwards. But my question for you is, yes. do you see a little bit of rust? Do you think rust Ooh. is going to be in the equation? That's a, uh, that's a valid point. That's a valid point. <laughs> Villanova coming off a long layoff and LaSalle just having played on Sunday. I guess that favors LaSalle and LaSalle being at home obviously favors them as well. But obviously as the game has to be played, I think Villanova's talent level is just significantly higher. And I do think they will uh, they'll come out uh, and win this game. But at the same time, if they do play Rusty, it may not just be due to Rust. It might be because LaSalle actually plays some decent three-point defense. Their three-point defense for the year is pretty, pretty good. They're only allowing a 27.5% clip from beyond the arc. So they, they do play lockdown perimeter defense similar to Villanova. So And we all know how much this Villanova team loves to rely on the threes. So watch out for that. So hopefully Rust isn't a factor. Or else it could be a long shooting night for the team. That's a great point. That is a great point. LaSalle has done a pretty good job of protecting the three-point line. But I just don't see Peretta, you know, being the taskmaster that he is, being the, the tough coach that he is, the intense guy. Can't see him allowing his team to just sleepwalk or, you know, just come into this game. I mean, you've been waiting nine days to finally hit the court again. You had a nice little break. You're well-rested. Hopefully they hit the ground running from opening tip-off. That way, Rust isn't even a question. But we'll see. We'll see what LaSalle brings to the table. But for me, I personally think Villanova's going to win, and they're going to stay undefeated after Wednesday afternoon. Yep, have to agree with you there. And I think they only got one more Big Five game after this one. Yeah, Penn. Penn. So, yeah, so... This isn't for the Big Five title yet, but it'll certainly help decide it. Once again, tip-off is at 1 p.m. tomorrow at Tom Gola Arena. 
hopefully it'll be available on ESPN3. I don't want to say anything just yet, but sometimes they do stream these games on ESPN3 last minute without announcement. But I do know for a fact it's available online on the A10 network. I don't know if that requires a subscription. I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead and safely assume that it probably does, just like everything else. So this episode is going to be brief in State of the Nova Nation standards. We're not going to get the hour-long content. And I guess it also just helps that there is a... It's just been pretty much a slow week yeah. with teams just taking off for exams, focusing on that instead of hitting the court or hitting practice. So there's really not much going on mm-hmm. other than the fact that we are the only school with undefeated men's and women's basketball teams. Yeah, we should really be uh, marketing that like big time. Everyone should be talking about that, but... I really haven't seen it floating around that much. So this episode will be shorter in comparison to the hour long just because I got a meeting. Got, got my bacon, egg, and cheese ready. I'm going to scarf this down before <laughs> running into this meeting this morning. Got a hectic morning as we, you know, got to squeeze in everything before the holidays and the shenanigans going on this weekend. But it is the holiday season and it is a giving season. We're going to the people what they want by answering their questions. <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot of fun questions as I'm looking at it right now. Bravo on the transition there, sir. I'm real proud of you on that one. <laughs> We've been doing this for a while. We've been doing this for a while. <laughs> you can always leave your questions in the comments section at View Hoops, or you can tweet us at S-O-N-N-Pod, and we'll answer your questions just like this. From JN Murph 16 his first question, after the 10 UNC game, Tennessee is looking like a great win for us in a pure neutral court game. What is your take on that? Yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, I didn't think Tennessee was that formidable of an opponent going in. I mean, obviously, they were no pushover, but I didn't think they would be ranked so soon. They they give UNC a game. Granted, they lost, and granted, it was at home, so it's not exactly the best look. But they did give them a game, and I do feel – and Tennessee did maintain their ranking this week despite the loss. So if they can give – Kentucky and Florida run for their money in the SEC. I, I certainly is a great, great win. That's just like one of those wins every year. I feel that Villanova has where they beat like this middling team, at what appears to be a middling team, and then you look at the bracket come March and they're like a four or five seed. So that would be that would be pretty nice. Yeah, I think as a whole, the SEC has been having a pretty great season. You know, it's no longer just Kentucky and everybody else or Kentucky, Florida, everybody else. You got A&M in the picture. You have Tennessee in the picture. Mm -hmm. It's just overall a pretty good SEC conference, or at least it seems like that so far this year. I'm all for any resume boosters. And so far, the volunteers have been looking pretty impressive. I know when they pulled off that upset of Purdue and Battle for Atlantis, it was like, oh, is this going to hold us back? Is this going to ruin our strength of schedule? But they seem like they're pretty good, pretty darn good. And I'm glad that we got that win because I think as we see them go to work, this win is only going to be more and more valuable as the season goes along. I would have not guessed that they would have been ranked or at least give UNC a, a dogfight. But it's looking like a pretty nice quality win. Hopefully they can keep up this momentum. And then by the time we're talking to March, this is one of the valuable wins category. Yep, it's all you can hope for now. And we are now Tennessee fans for them to win the SEC. Go Vols. Another one from Jay and Murph 16. Would love to hear your takes on our best win so far. And what would be the top three biggest regular season win opportunities left on the schedule? See, I'm going to go with the cop-out answer and, and say the best win was Gonzaga. I mean, how it, it was a very impressive win. Technically neutral court, even though it was heavily Villanova favored. At MSG, you beat a highly ranked team, a team that, you know, it was basically Villanova the West as they build it. And Gonzaga was in the national championship last year. They're 
going to be a great team for the rest of this year. So obviously I feel like that's the best win. And I feel like the next opportunity for the best wins of the year are got to be at Xavier. And I know they just lost to Rutgers, but at Seton Hall as well. I feel that those two are the marquee away games. And then I guess you can even throw the Creighton one in there as well, because that place in Omaha is very, very dangerous to play. So those three opportunities, if you can go two and one in those, I would be pretty, pretty impressed. And those are at the moment would be two to three high quality wins. Yeah, definitely going to echo you there with the Gonzaga win. I mean, how could you not put that as a top win? It was a marquee game for the team and also for Mikhail Bridges. And to put up such a dominating display against one of the top defenses in the country or mark few teams are usually really stout on defense. And to see the type of performance that we put up in the Garden, 88 points, winning by double digits, leading pretty much the whole way. It doesn't get better than that. And we all know Gonzaga is definitely going to be a tournament team. They were definitely going to wipe the floor in the West Coast Conference. Uh, maybe BYU or St. Mary's might give them a run for the money. But for now, you know, you got to think that Gonzaga will be a pretty good tournament team. And aside from that, Battle for Atlantis, just winning it. Not only did we escape the upset bug that Purdue and Arizona got, but it's another tournament win. It's our fifth straight midseason early tournament. Always good for the program. And it's good to just come away with it. Three games in three days. You're going to learn a lot of lessons from that. Playing games in such a short turnaround, being able to adapt and perform night in, night out against three different teams, that's big for the program and for the season. Those are pretty much the biggest victories for now. And looking ahead, yeah, definitely at Xavier, at Cintas, not an easy place to play. I don't know if you saw that tweet. I think I showed it to you. But the Seton Hall Athletics program pretty much announced that there's been a high demand for the Villanova tickets since October, November, yes. and there's already a, a long waiting list. It's going to be a very hostile environment. Yes, It's not going to be easy. We have lost at the Rock before, mm-hmm. and the Pirates are going to give a game. Yeah, they lost to Rutgers, but they're always going to find a way to get up for us. I think Chris Lane said it. You know, as good as the Pirates are, they're not going to be consistent. Like, they don't – like, Villanova, if we lose, we're bouncing back, and we're not going to lose for a while. Right. But the Pirates, they'll lose a few games here and there, but they'll get up for the big ones. Right, and then can pretty much beat them handily while they're at it, too. Like, this is a team that went into Louisville and pulled out a W at the KFC Yumpson. Right, true. That's very true. It, it's hard. It, it's funny that we, like, completely overlook that, but then we'll harp on the Rockers' loss. I mean, yeah, that's and, pretty bad, but still. <laughs> and I think this might have to do with something about Kevin Willard being a coach. I, I honestly, this is my personal take on him, but... I feel like he's only as good as the talent around him, and we saw what could happen in that, especially in that dumpster fire season when Seton Hall was yes. ranked. They just beat us, and all of a sudden they came crashing down because he lost the locker room. He doesn't really get the most out of his players. They they, they kind of just yeah, they kind of carry him. I don't I don't feel like he really does much. I mean, I don't really like I don't like him at all. They were up by 15 against Rutgers, and all of a sudden he benches all the starters for the backups and then Rockers comes right back into the game and all of a sudden you're, you're playing from behind at the end. <laughs> is that is that how that game went down? All I saw, I saw it when I was at the gym, they had it on for whatever reason and I saw like the last couple of minutes and I just, I just saw that it was tied at the, at the time I was watching. I had no idea that Rutgers had like a mini comeback. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's terrible. That's a horrible coaching move. If Jay did that, we, we would crucify him. I mean, we all know that it is the R. Ever since Miles Powell went into the starting lineup, it's like, what? Well, who's on their bench? Yeah, nobody. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they have Aaron Gordon and Michael Lindsay on the bench, but like, I don't see any of those guys dropping like 15 off the bench. 
No, they, they certainly aren't going to. Unless, you know, they play us, and then obviously he'll drop 20 each. But I thought Sonogo was off the bench too, but apparently he's in the starting lineup as well. So it's like, ugh. Like, they really have no depth whatsoever, which is weird. They usually do. So to go back to Jan Murph's question, I'd say it's definitely at Sintas with the Musketeers, at The Rock against the Pirates, at UConn, not in the sense that it would be a resume builder, but in the sense that it's a road game. This is the first part of this three-year series with the Huskies. Yeah, they're not that great, and they're not as good as they were when Chavaz led them to a title. But this is a this is against an old Big East team. I don't know about you guys, but anytime you can beat <laughs> any of these old Big East teams, it's a it's a big victory in my eyes. I guess it's like in a way you get back at them, like when we beat Syracuse back in 2014 in the second half of that home and home series. Even though Syracuse wasn't that good or as good coming in, it was still nice to beat them. Yeah, I guess you're right in the terms of the revenge aspect. But as a resume builder, it's it's not looking like a great win, but yeah, like a potential win. Potential win, but yeah, no, you're you're right. It, it to go into there again. I guess, I guess it's still called the XL Center. It would be nice to stick it to them. If you're looking for a resume builder or just overall tough games, yeah, like you mentioned at Creighton, just because CenturyLink is such a tough place to play, they really pack in. And it's loud, twenty four seven. I think a few of the players will will say that that's probably one of the hardest places to play in, just because of how loud it gets. And then. Also at the dunk in Providence. We've seen Providence be a thorn on Villanova's side. I don't even know exactly where Providence is right now, but that game will be later on in Big East play. And if the Friars pull together a hot stretch coming down to finish the season, just like they did last year, that game could potentially be tough. And we all know Doug Gottlieb said that's where the ranked teams go to die. Yes, because he would know. He would know so well. He, he, <laughs> he, he played on that till he uh, decided that stealing credit cards was a better idea. But... To further your point, these road games, they come they come right at you real quick. So to, to basically end Villanova's schedule, they're home against Butler, then they're at Providence, then at Xavier, all, all within a, a week, a one-week stretch. Then they get a little reprieve at home against DePaul, and then they go back on the road for Creighton and Seton Hall. That's also well, – those three games are within a week, and then you finish up the, the season at, at home against Georgetown. So you're going to get – Four tough row games in a two-week span. That sounds brutal right now. Hopefully they're able to, you know, sustain that. Yeah, it's not going to be an easy month of February for the Cats, but we'll see how they do. Moving on, Murph had one last question. Extra credit. Is a 40-point beatdown of St. Joe's. Feels nice, but is it a good win? And I'll tell you, it's <laughs> always a good win anytime you kill the Hawks. I don't care if it's by 2, 5, 20, 40, 100. Anytime you can shut the Hawk up. Have it stop flapping its wings. It always feels nice, and it is always a good win. It will not be a big-time resume builder. No. But I will say that to break a school record in the amount of threes made, that's good. That's good in my eyes. It, it's a good one in the sense of the way they went about it. Pure domination and the record-breaking to go along with it was pretty impressive. So, yeah, I mean, obviously for the resume purposes, I wasn't – you know, too thrilled with it, but the fact that we dominated them start to finish, I have no qualms. Next question is from Mike Jacobs. What gift for the Villanova basketball team is at the top of Jay Wright's list? I'm going to have to go with a fully healthy team. Obviously, we have Gillespie's injury right now, which apparently might be um, a little rougher than expected, but also the fact you hope Phil's knee hasn't shown any signs of 
regression throughout the uh, throughout the year and coming off the surgeries. So hopefully that sustains itself. And then you don't want any other weird injuries because this team already has some depth issues. It's it's kind of rearing. It hasn't reared its head yet with Gillespie yet, but if that's a sustain a long sustained injury, we might be running into the same problems we kind of had last year. So you want to keep everyone healthy. And then obviously a couple of years ago, you had Chef's concussion, and I mean that. I mean Daryl filled in admirably, but at the same time, you didn't get a full year at Chef. So this team has had some weird injuries in the past. So hopefully, you don't get any of those coming down um, for conference play. I don't know why, but when I saw this question, I just kind of envisioned uh, <laughs> Jay Wright getting a putt putt green somewhere in, in the Davis Center. <laughs> I feel like you know, they got they got too many video games, like too many Xboxes, PS4s, NBA 2K. Probably need something different, and I feel like I don't know. I feel like Jay loves golf, and you see these guys—they go to like the driving range. They all look a little funny. Maybe it's because they're all like super tall. So seeing super tall people swing golf clubs, it looks a little strange. But I can see them, you know, having a nice little putt putt green in the Davis Center to kind of relieve their stress. They have little contests. I feel like it's a more healthier way than just playing video games or just you know being on their phone the whole time. We all know Jay is like anti phone and anti electronics, or at least before game day. <laughs> so I can see a little Papa Green getting them nice and nice and calm, nice and nice and centered, and it's a good way to interact with the team. Do you think they pick bought a giant like fat head of Doug Gottlieb and cut out the middle and then make it like a clown head? So then they have like a little mini golf course there. Oh, like a little obstacle. Yes, I feel like that would be pretty. That's what I would do. Yeah, or maybe if they could like change it in a way where uh, it's like whoever they're playing that week, like maybe like the mascot. <laughs> oh, 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 big <laughs> blue blob. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, get the blue blob out there. Friar Dom at Providence. Just no. anything to enhance the experience. No, you don't want Friar Dom. They'll, they'll be too afraid to, to line up for a putt. Moving along here, another question from Chris Lane. If the Gillespie rumor is true, and for those of you who are not aware or have not heard the news, Gillespie might be out for two months instead of one, so he might be out until February. Apparently, the injury was worse than thought. Would you redshirt him or not? I think we talked about this off wax actually one time. We did. We did. I actually had suggested it to you, and I think we kind of agreed that it's kind of too late in the game to redshirt, just like based on the rules. But I, I don't no, know. No, actually, I double checked that after our discussion, and it's actually not too late yet. You oh, can, okay. Can redshirt. Okay. Oof. <sighs> I don't know. As of right now, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. I don't know when you have to make that declaration. For me, I would see where the teams oper- how the team's operating at the moment. If they're playing well and everyone seems to have relatively fresh ish legs, then I kinda say, Hey Colin, kinda take the rest of the year off, heal up, get healthy, don't hurt yourself coming back in and re aggravate the injury. But at the same time, you you, you kinda realize what next what ha- might happen next year assuming Bridges and Brunson leave and this might be your last chance for another year or two to really go at a big time run in, the, in March and you might need Gillespie for that for depth purposes so I think at the same time if you do redshirt him you're going to be losing a, some a two legs that are going to eat up some big minutes down the down the road so as of right now I wouldn't I don't I honestly can't make a call right now i'm taking a cop out there yes or no yes or no chris yes or no no don't redshirt i say we don't redshirt him just because i just don't feel that confident in jermaine samuels yet i feel like maybe if jermaine samuels was playing great and maybe eating up like 15 minutes a night 
All right. Okay, yeah. sure. Take your time off. Don't rush things. And we'll see you back next November. But we've seen depth be the problem last year. And I'm not I'm not trying to do that again. And Lester Samuels just develops crazy game overnight. Yeah, the uh, slow development of Samuels so far has really um really hurt this team bench wise and depth wise. And I agree with you. If Samuels was playing out of his mind or just even a relatively competent game right now, I would say Gillespie should probably redshirt and you know get healthy. But right now I mean you kind of need him. He, he was playing pretty well, um, I will admit, especially for someone who was not on the CG hype train coming into the season. But he's playing pretty well. I I just don't think that they should redshirt him just because we'll probably need him in February in that tough month or even down the line in March. And I think he can contribute. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say keep him, keep him ready. Keep him ready to go. Agreed. And once he's healed up, we'll see him back on the court at the end of conference play. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got a series of questions from Jerry Quinn. First one, will the Hofstra game be a sellout for the return of Jay? I personally, I don't know. I can't see it. I, I don't think the PPL <laughs> Center was sold out, and we had four teams playing that were all in that area. Or three schools, sorry, because our men's and women's team. So we had, it was us, Lafayette, and Lehigh. Yeah. And Lafayette and Lehigh are right there. Yeah. And... That wasn't sold out. I would love to see Long Island. I don't even know where exactly the game is in Long Island. Nassau County. It, it is at Nassau, right? Yes. Okay, I wasn't 100% sure. I didn't want to didn't want to say whether it was or wasn't. No fake news here. Right. Yeah, no, yeah none of that. Gotcha. Uh, I would love for it to be a sellout, but I think we'll be packed. I think we'll be nicely sized. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, but I don't. I personally just don't. I think we'll be a few thousand short. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. It's it's kind of tough to sell out a building that big, if, assuming it's the same dimensions as I remember for Islander games. I, I think they're actually giving out free tickets for this. I think it's buy one get one free. I saw a tweet: buy a ticket and get another one free. So I think they might they're either, they're probably struggling with with ticket sales right now. Next one up from Jerry Quinn: the question that we've been dodging: what Villanova hoops team loses first, men's or women's? Uh, so the question has to rear its ugly head. Right now, I might just have to say the women's team. So the women's team plays Creighton at Creighton on the 28th of December. Now, this is assuming they beat LaSalle, which I do believe they will do. They play Creighton at Creighton 28th of December, and then they play Providence on 1230. The men's team has this cupcake game against Hofstra this Friday. Then they... They're at the pole Wednesday the 27th, so hopefully they're fine with those two. But then they go on the road at Butler on the 30th. If I had to guess, I say the women's team. I say the women's team drops either at Creighton or at Providence. And considering that the Providence game on the road starts before the villain up the men's game at Butler, I say they might just drop before the men's team. So you're telling me that you're not scared for that men's to Paul game? Uh, that would that would be correct. Despite the whole new shiny arena and all, I think they'll be okay. I think you just made our ten listeners from Chicago cry. I mean, if they're if they're expecting a win, then I feel bad for their del- their delusional state. As for Jerry's question, I have the men's team going undefeated until February fourth. So if the women's team is still undefeated going into February fourth, I will be a very impressed. And B, might have to reconsider my answer. But for now, I think the women's team will lose first. Yeah, I got the men's team going pretty much undefeated, too. Unless I had them losing. Did I have losing at Butler? I don't remember. You had them losing to Arizona. Oh, right. 
<laughs> Whoops. Last question from Jerry. Will Sansa be bringing you coal this year, or have you both been nice? Um, uh, you know, Chris, you, you take this one first. I'm sure I'll be getting a gift or two. I think I was a decent enough person this year to warrant one. What about you, Eugene? Well, I didn't say Villanova was going to lose in the round of 32 this year, so I think that makes me a nice person. And there must be a lot of naughty people out there. Then. Particularly at ESPN. Hmm. And CBS. Not John Rothstein, though. He says we're a Fortune 500 company. We run ourselves. Exacto mundo. Oh. Next question is from Henry Oyang. If you took the view hoop staff, who's your starting five and at what position? Wow. This is oh, great boy. because, uh, let's see. I've met Brendan Riley. Uh, obviously, I know you. I've met Catherine. I haven't met Chris Lane, but I feel like Chris Lane is tall. I see Chris Lane being tall. Six foot two, six foot three. Same with Mike Jacobs. I feel like Mike Jacobs is a tall man. I feel like Mike Jacobs is a mountain of a man. I haven't met him either, but I'm going to assume that he's at least six something. <laughs> so what's your one through five? Uh, let's see. We do have a couple athletes on staff, but I, I think I think people would like to hear the old timers. Or not really the old timers, but not the new kids on the block. They, they haven't been here long enough. We don't even know if they're exactly here all the time. Sometimes they flake out. Not all of them, but uh, I think I think we'll go with the the main casting characters. Uh, let's see. Ryan Bowman is definitely the team photographer. Uh, coach, coach, uh, man. Am I injured? or Am I not injured? You're not injured. Oh, you're playing. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, this will not be a guard you type of team. I can see Brendan Riley, Chris Lane, and Mike Jacobs all playing in the front court. Fair. Either four and five. Fair. We need physical people, and I feel like Chris Lane is a tall person. I have not met him. Uh, Mike Jacobs is definitely at least six two in my in my eyes. He's probably six. He could be six five for all I know. Um, I can see Chris Lane playing the five. He, he'd probably be a stretch five. I can see him probably probably having a nice mid range jumper. Uh, Brent Riley, he used to play lax, so he's definitely physical. So he's exactly what we need to grab boards and play inside at the four or five. Uh, Mike Jacobs is tall, but he's also the the, the commander. So he could be the coach. A little player coach action there? Yeah, or, or full-time. I don't know how Mike feels about this. Oh, okay. We'll ask him. I like to play the three. I could be the four. Uh, normally, when I'm not injured, my game would be like Chris Jenkins, uh, shoot threes. <laughs> it's funny because the spot where he actually made the, the championship buzzer beater is actually my favorite spot to shoot up from the, th- the three-point line. But in my recent days, after a torn rotator cuff, can't really shoot threes anymore. So I, just, I play more of like a facilitator type. So I guess a point forward. I guess that's more me. Chris, what, what's your game like these days? My game? It's freaking horrendous. remember playing with you up in Dobbs over the summer. It was uh, I, I realized how bad I got at basketball. But I, I, can still, I can still move around and become a decoy at, at certain key moments. So I, you can shoot. You can put me at the two, and I can hide in the corner until uh, – until Called upon. Oh, see, Chris, this doubt, this doubt in your game is, has me reconsider. I might have, I might have you at six man, Chris. Uh, yeah, that's fine too. That's fine too. I like oh, being okay. cheerleader every now and then. I feel like, I feel like Catherine has a mean three point stroke. I don't know. I feel like she, I feel like she shoots it. So she probably, she could even be our point guard for all I know. I don't even know. I think I listed like seven people just now. <laughs> okay, so Mike Jacobs is a coach because he's a commander. Uh, Chris Lane is at the five because I feel like he's mountain. Um, I also would put Brendan at the four. Uh, I would be at three, a nice, nice all-around interior point forward. Drive inside, pulling my way in, post up. Uh, if my shoulder is not sore, I can knock down a three-point shot. 
just missed me on the left side of the floor. Cannot, absolutely cannot shoot from that side. Only the right side only. Catherine is at the two. And you know what, Chris? Chris, you get to be at the one. You get, oh, no, you get to be at the two. Sorry, you get to be at the two. She'll be right, at the no, one. Be at the I'm one. in the starting lineup. That's all that matters. That's okay. And then I'll, and I'll be like... Ryan Bowman's our photographer. That's fair. <laughs> Ryan Bowman's going to make us look real nice with his highlights. <laughs> He'll make me look better than what I am. That's okay. I'll be like the guy in the Spurs that always comes out for Manu Ginobili. I just play like two minutes and then just let Ginobili take over for the rest of the time. We got to find a six-man, though. Yeah, that's true. We do need a six-man. I'm going to need a sub. Who knows? Who knows? Last time, I also won't be diving for any balls, so there will be no Villanova attitude on my end. I will oh, not be diving on. for any balls. Last time I dove for a ball, I tore my rotator cuff. <laughs> so that's not happening. Yeah. Okay, fine. Man, you can't do anything without getting hurt, can you? I can set a nice screen. I'm great at setting screens. <laughs> uh, the last question is from Tokyo Drift. Which three-day weekend is better, having Friday off or having Monday off? See, this is a great question right here. This is great. This this is actually going to require some thought, but I'm going to just go wing it here. I'd argue the Monday off is better because I feel like if whatever you're doing on Friday, whatever fun you're going to be having is going to be at night anyway, post work. So why not just get that day in knowing that you have something to look forward to? Not to mention that Fridays are slow as is. So then you go hard Friday, Saturday, and then with Monday off, you know you can go hard Sunday too, worst case. And then Monday is a recovery day, and then there you go, and then you got a short week the next week. There's nothing more devastating to work life than waking up on a Monday morning and saying, man, it's time to go to work. So with that, I would say Monday off is definitely better, and you also get the nice treat of having the week shortened. So shout out to Labor Day, Columbus Day. Martin Luther King Jr. Day this <laughs> Christmas. year. Christmas yeah, is on a Monday this year. Less than a week away. And Easter Monday is pretty nice. I don't know. Not everyone has off for Easter Monday, but Easter Monday no. is nice. That's a college thing. Catholic college. Or, and I think that's it for all the Monday holidays. So, yeah, we're going with Monday off. Friday's off. Or anytime you get a day off, though, that's always nice. It but is. Monday will be my answer. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on the Monday. So, I know we talked about shortening the episode, but, man, uh, you know what? I'm glad. We were able to give the people what they want, answer questions. It was fun. It was fun getting mail back because you never know what you're going to get. And we'll be back on Thursday with a fresh new episode. We'll recap the women's game that will take place tomorrow. And we'll also preview Hofstra. So there will be a lot to talk about there. For now, thank you for listening to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. Follow us on iTunes, on Podomatic, or on Apple Podcasts. You have options. Please follow us on social media at VU Hoops, on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at your pay five. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stance Man on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. And the wait felt pretty long, but it's about to be over. And we're about to get back on the court and get some hoops action.